Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 to 19. As we read, we remember this is God's word. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God himself will provide, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Well, we'll finish there at the end of verse 19, and we thank God for the blessing that comes when we read his truth. Well, friends, you can probably tell that I got my hair cut recently. Uh, you can probably see that. And it was a new barber. I went to a new barber in Newry. And I was chatting to the barber about Christmas. 
And he told me that for him, Christmas didn't really start. He didn't feel like Christmas started until he sat down on Christmas Eve to watch the Great Escape. That was his ritual. I did uh, say to him, you know, according to the church calendar, Christmas doesn't actually start until Christmas Day. He said he would stick with the Great Escape. He wasn't really worried about what I was telling him. I'm sure many of us have that kind of thing, that a movie, maybe one or more movie, that we sit down to watch over the Christmas period. Uh, Kate and I love It's a Wonderful Life. We try and watch It's a Wonderful Life uh, together every year. And there's something just really relaxing about sitting down to watch a movie and knowing exactly how it's going to play out and what's going to happen at the end. It's relaxing to do that. You can enjoy all of the ups and downs. You can enjoy the the difficulty that George Bailey gets into and you don't have to stress about it because you know it's all going to work out in the end. A couple of weeks ago, Ireland played New Zealand in the rugby. Did anybody watch that rugby match? I was on the edge of my seat or on my feet for the whole match. And my nerves were tingling. I could not cope. For after the, the final whistle blew, I had to just pace about the house for about half an hour just to let the adrenaline get out of my system. But I'd also recorded the game. And so I was able uh, later on to, to sit down and watch the game again. And I knew how it was going to end. And I was able to watch it in a much more relaxed way because I knew, I knew how the thing was going to unfold. And so if you know the end, if you know how things are going to end, well, it changes your perspective on what's happening. The passage we have before us today can probably be easy to to confuse us. And we maybe have lots of questions. And I hope that the Bible will answer some questions for us today. But I think we have to remember that we should view this situation from God's perspective. And when we do that, the story looks very different. Because God is at work in this story from the very beginning. And God knows how it's going to end. God's plans and purposes don't change partway through the story and he calls out for Abraham to stop. God knew that he would provide a ram in the thicket. God's plans for Abraham and for Isaac remained steadfast and secure throughout this whole story. In fact, God's plan of redemption for all of his people in all places and at all times is at work here in Genesis 22. So even as this story was happening thousands of years ago, God was very aware that we would be sitting here today thinking about it. God knows the end from the beginning. And there is so much in this passage to teach us. And it teaches us that that we as God's people, here and now, 21st century Northern Ireland, we can be confident that God provides for our redemption. We can be confident God provides rescue 
for his people. To learn this great truth that we can trust God to provide for our rescue, I want us to approach the passage from two different perspectives today. First of all, I want us to put ourselves in Abraham's shoes or or Abraham's sandals. And then secondly, I want us to put ourselves in Isaac's sandals. Let's begin by putting on Abraham's sandals. Do you have your Bibles open? Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I wonder if any of us can identify with Abraham in our passage today. We, we just heard last week about the fulfilment of God's promise. 25 long years of waiting and waiting and waiting and finally, finally, Sarah and Abraham have their son Isaac. And so it seems as if everything is working out. Abraham has all that God has ever promised him. Well, now God decides he's going to test Abraham. And he asks him to take his son Isaac to a mountain and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Can any of us identify with that? Has it ever felt as if everything's going your way and then all of a sudden something happens and it causes the bottom to fall out of your world? You lose something, you lose someone, an investment goes belly up, you get a dreaded phone call, or you get those dreaded test results. So I know that many of you have been through these things. I've had conversations with you about that. I know that in this room there, there are people who have had to endure horrible mental and spiritual agony. I know that you're listening to this story today and you're feeling pain and you're feeling heartache along with Abraham. You're even identifying with the confusion that must have been going on in Abraham's mind. How could God ask him to do this? Not only to give up the thing that he had waited 25 years for, but that thing was not a thing at all. It was his beloved son. How? How can God ask Abraham to give his only son as a sacrifice? How could God ask Abraham to give his only son, the son who he loves, as a burnt offering? Friends, let me begin to answer that by saying, God wasn't asking Abraham to do anything that he was not willing to do himself. We know that God has done exactly this. The most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16, tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, the son whom he loves, to take the punishment for our sin, to die upon the cross, 
that we could have everlasting life. This test of Abraham was a test of his love for God. And that's exactly what God shows us through the sacrifice of his son. He shows us his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so as you look at this story and read about all that Abraham did, please don't forget that God did the very same. Except there was one major difference. God's son actually died. He actually went through the pain and agony of death. Jesus Christ felt forsaken by the Father as he hung on the cross and he died a physical and torturous death. Why? Because God loves you. Because God loves you. And so whenever we read in this passage, verse 12, now I know that you fear God. Um, In this context, fear for God and love for God are one and the same. Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. We can look at what God has done. And we can say with faith that we know God loves us. Because he did not withhold his only son from us. But gave him as a sacrifice. To save us from our sins. Now while we still have Abraham's sandals on. There's something else I want us to see in this passage. We might expect to read something in the passage about Abraham's feelings. How did he feel about what he was being asked to do? But we're not really given any insight into that. All we really see here is unflinching obedience from Abraham. God says go and Abraham goes and Isaac ends up on the altar. How is this possible? I can't imagine being asked to do what Abraham was asked to do without any hesitation. Just go ahead and take Toby or Joel up Camel Mountain and put him on an altar. We, we, we wouldn't do it without, we wouldn't even do it. Abraham, just straight obedience. Given a clue in the passage about what, what's going through Abraham's mind. Look with me at verse 5. You see what it says? Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship And we will come back to you. Who's going to come back? Do you see that? We. We will come back to you. Somehow, even in his obedience to what God is asking, Abraham believes that he and Isaac will both return. The book of Hebrews gives deeper insight into this for us. Listen to Hebrews 11. Verses 17 to 19. You can look it up if you want. Hebrews 11. It says this. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. 
of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. You see, Abraham believed in resurrection. He didn't know how God was going to do it, but by faith, he trusted that God would raise Isaac from the dead and they would return together. Friends, I know that many of you here face difficulty each and every day. And I am not so naive to believe that there aren't many, many difficulties that you are facing that I know nothing about. There are sacrifices, there are troubles in your life that are weighing you down, but they are nothing. They are nothing that a resurrection won't fix. I know it's Christmas. Are we supposed to talk about the resurrection at Christmas? The birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus are all linked together. No matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're facing in the week that lies ahead, or maybe even facing in January, it's nothing that a resurrection won't fix. Physical sickness, bitterness in relationships, mental anxiety, financial worries, grief, stress, at home or at work, COVID, cancer, death itself, all of these will be undone on the final day because of the resurrection of Christ. Jesus is described in the New Testament as the first fruits. And the first fruits show that there's going to be more fruit to follow, otherwise, they wouldn't be called the first fruits. And so because Jesus has risen from the dead, there's a promise to all of his people that one day we will join him. We will join him in resurrection, life and perfection forever. I know that life is difficult. Abraham knows that life is difficult. God himself understands everything that you are going through and because he understands he sent his son he sent the lord jesus he sent him to be emmanuel god with us who will one day take us to be with himself and where he is all the troubles and worries of this world will melt away in the light of his glorious splendor. Friends, this world cannot throw anything at us that a resurrection won't fix. I urge you, I really do encourage you today to cling to that hope. Let's move on to see things from Isaac's perspective. Let's jump into his sandals. Things are bad for Abraham in the story, but imagine being Isaac. Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son. Isaac is the son to be sacrificed. 
Here he is walking up a mountain, carrying the wood for sacrifice on his own back. It's not long until he begins to smell something fishy. He has the wood. Abraham has the fire and the knife. But where's the animal? So he questions his father and Abraham assures him God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. When they reach the site of the sacrifice, Abraham begins to tie Isaac up. He sets him up on the wood which has been laid out to hold a burnt offering. I think by this stage, Isaac has some idea of what's going on. And we're not told that he resists it. At this point, Isaac is as good as dead. And not only is he as good as dead, a burnt offering would leave no trace of the boy. No body for burial, just the ashes. And we're meant to understand in this passage, the way it's written for us is that Abraham has sent away his son Ishmael. Did you notice that Isaac is described as his only son? And now he's being asked to burn Isaac and he will be totally erased. It will be like Isaac never existed and Abraham will be back in the place he started 25 years ago. But just as Isaac lies out flat and Abraham raises the knife Well, the angel of the Lord intervenes. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. The ram died and Isaac lived. In the place of the boy, a ram was set upon the altar and its life was taken. The ram was provided by God as a substitute so that Isaac could live. Friends, I think we see Jesus in this story. We've already mentioned that that Isaac is like Christ. He's an offering given out of love. And and this connection between Isaac and Christ is strengthened. The, The fact that he carries the wood on his own back, just like Jesus carried the cross upon his back, up the mountain to Calvary for his crucifixion. Isaac didn't resist. He went willingly to die just as Jesus. His life was not taken from him. He gave it up willingly. And so there are parallels to be drawn from Isaac to Jesus. But I think if we stop there, we we miss the point of the story. This idea of a ram being given by God in place of Isaac. Well, that's what the people of Israel would have heard when they read this story originally. As Moses wrote this story, he knew his original hearers would understand just as they offered a lamb in their place at at Passover, which they celebrated every year, just as they brought various animals and sacrifices 
to the tabernacle to take away their guilt and sin. In the same way, Moses is showing them in this passage that they owe their very existence to the ram which was caught in the thicket. Don't forget that Isaac was the child of promise. And it's through his line that Jacob is born, Jacob whose sons make up the 12 tribes of Israel. And so the people of Israel would not have come into existence if it hadn't been for that ram. In a very real sense, God provided redemption for the whole nation of Israel with that one ram. Well, so it is for us. Just like Isaac, we too are as good as dead. We're headed for the grave and for hell unless, unless God intervenes, unless God steps in and provides redemption for us. Praise him today that in Christ, he has provided a lamb, a perfect and spotless lamb who died, who gave his life in our place. He died so that we could live. And so it is for all the people of God today. The ram was given for all the people of Israel while Jesus was given by God as the once for all sacrifice to secure your redemption. He died so that you could live. He has given us everlasting life. Jesus is the Lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world. Friends, we might have begun the sermon today wondering how could God do such a thing? Does God approve of child sacrifice? But that would be to forget that God knows the end from the very beginning. He knows how it's going to play out. And if you trust in him, he has planned it all for your good. It might not seem that way today. But I want you to know that Jesus came into the world. He came at Christmas time and he was the only child sacrifice that God ever approved of. He died to take away the sin and the mess of your life. And he rose again. He rose again. When you trust him for resurrection, for the new life, that, then there's nothing that can't be fixed for you. We might have to wait. We will have to endure. But we can know with sure and certain hope that our covenant God provides redemption. He provides rescue for his people through Jesus Christ, now and always. Let's pray together.